Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, we've got a look at the challenges Speaker Nancy Pelosi is about to face. Number two, the latest in Afghanistan. And number three, how vulnerable Democrats and Dems running for other offices are threading the needle on Afghanistan. All right, it is just me this morning once again, so let's get right to it. The challenges that Speaker Nancy Pelosi faces, this is going to be a very, very challenging uh, fall for the California Democrat. Uh, when the House returns next week, they are set to take up Democrats' $3.5 trillion budget resolution. So we thought it would be a good time to assess how the House leadership uh, is going to handle this, how they're going to try to thread the needle when it comes to some of the challenges they are facing, like Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Pelosi faces an enormously difficult period the next few months, both legislatively and politically. Think about it. There's the January 6th investigation, the budget resolution and reconciliation package, infrastructure, the debt limit, government funding, and voting rights, all on the to-do list for September alone. And that's before the still-unfolding crisis in Afghanistan jumped to the top of the agenda for the White House and Congress. So what's complicating Pelosi's moves here? We've been reporting on this for the last several weeks. Jake actually had a virtual interview with Representative Josh Gottheimer, the moderate Democrat from New Jersey yesterday that we put up, who's basically the biggest thorn in Nancy Pelosi's side right now. The moderates, are led by Gottheimer, are threatening to oppose the Democrats' budget resolution unless they first get a vote on the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure package that the Senate passed last week. Pelosi, as she has now said for months, is refusing to hold any vote on that infrastructure bill until the Senate has passed the reconciliation package. Full stop. This is not, you know, she has not wavered on this theory of the case of how they are going to be able to move forward. But with only a three vote margin to play, Pelosi really needs this issue to be resolved before the House takes up the rule for the budget resolution on Monday night. So right now it's Wednesday. Monday is, you know, ages away when it comes to congressional time. But we all have to remember members are back home. She's continuing to try to press them on this. She sent another Dear Colleague letter on Tuesday night reiterating her position. And then that letter it was kind of interesting. Pelosi played her biggest card in the dispute. She has President Joe Biden's support for her plan. The real question is, are these moderates really going to stand in the way of Joe Biden's biggest legislative accomplishment and also strategy for trying to get it actually passed into law? But it's really being set up as a very difficult situation because at the same time, Gottheimer and his crew can't give in either because if they fold after such a loud public stand, it's going to diminish any influence that he has amassed. So either has to stand pat or become one of the members that Pelosi rolls over. So let's just zoom out a little bit, thinking about Pelosi's politics. Her hold on the caucus remains as solid as ever. I, it, pretty much as much as I've seen over the, the last generation. Very little happens inside that caucus she doesn't know about, and nothing can really move forward without her signing off on it. 
It's the way Pelosi has worked it since she rose to the speaker's chair for the first time in January 2007, and there's no reason for her to change, despite the fact that there's tons of speculation that she's going to leave at the end of the term. The only people who seem convinced of that and who are trying to play that up are the House Republicans. Obviously, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and his Republican colleagues have begun to refer to Pelosi as a lame duck speaker, but truly no one inside the Democratic caucus sees it that way at all. And if they do, not a single Democrat is publicly willing to speculate about it either way. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the day, Afghanistan, its collapse. It continues to stun U.S. allies in Europe and across the globe. The Biden administration put out some information via the White House pool that on Tuesday, U.S. military flights evacuated approximately 1,100 U.S. citizens, U.S. permanent residents, and their families on 13 flights, 12 with C-17 sorties and one with a C-130. So now that they have established that flow, they expect those numbers to escalate. They have evacuated more than 3,200 people so far, including U.S. personnel. In addition to those, more than 3,200 total evacuated, they have relocated nearly 2,000 Afghan special immigrants to the United States. These numbers are something that you're going to see Republicans and Democrats look to in the coming days and weeks. Uh, This has been the leading international story of the last several days. The headlines uh, go across the country and the world, frankly. The New York Times has this headline, Biden rattles UK with Afghanistan policy, as well as the Taliban's leaders, worldly and inclusive or ruthless ideologues. While the post headlines read, withdrawal from Afghanistan forces, allies and adversaries to reconsider America's global role. And Russia sees potential cooperation with Taliban, but also prepares for the worst. So something we are going to be watching very closely is how does Joe Biden end up leading on this so far getting bad marks across uh, not only the political spectrum here in the U.S., but around the world, as there's a lot of tense folks watching, waiting, trying to understand exactly what is going to happen with not only the evacuation, but then with the Taliban and Afghanistan in general. Is this going to be a time where you have you know, American foreign policy adversaries, Russia, Iran, China, take more of a foothold in the region. What happens in terms of intelligence? There's a lot of folks here, particularly in Washington, that lived through 9-11 and are very concerned about what happens. One interesting thing to note, you can check out a Wall Street Journal op-ed by former Vice President Mike Pence in it today. No direct mention of former President Donald Trump. Certainly something interesting. Let's move on to the number three story of the morning. Vulnerable Dem Watch. Endangered incumbents are staying away from criticizing Biden for the Afghanistan crisis. As it unfolds, vulnerable Democrats and those lawmakers running for other offices are walking a very fine line on the issue. They're stuck between a need to express their dismay about the debacle in Kabul and their desire to avoid sharply criticizing President Joe Biden. As a result, reading the statements is an instructive exercise in how endangered lawmakers are trying to thread that needle. A common theme that we've noticed so far is Democrats saying they're horrified about the situation in the Southwest Asian nation, which is followed immediately by an acknowledgement that the blame game 
should take place at some future unspecified date. That includes everybody from New Hampshire Representative Chris Pappas to Representative Elaine Luria in Virginia and Cindy Axney in Iowa. Alyssa Slotkin of Michigan said, just finished receiving a briefing on Afghanistan from the Secretaries of State and Defense. There will be plenty of time to Monday morning quarterback. But right now, we need the airport in Kabul open to all traffic, including civilian charters. The U.S. military must ensure the safety of that critical location. You also had Representative Stephanie Murphy of Florida expressing regret for the situation and said the United States should have acted differently without specifying an entity or leader to blame. So something to watch is Democrats are looking towards those 2022 midterms, trying to carve out the, you know, where they feel like they can be politically not too critical of Biden, but at the same time show that they are frustrated. We will be watching to see if those frustrations turn more critical of the president, depending on how that leadership goes moving forward. And with that... Thanks so much for listening. Please leave us a, late, a rating and review. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.